Welcome everybody to the Rim and Call. This is your host, Brother Frank. Glad to be here with you this evening. And I'll tell you folks, it's been a rough couple of weeks here with work and all the stress that goes on. Uh, But truth be told, God is good. And you know what? No matter what we're going through, I know the Lord knows, He cares, and He always has a way, no matter how bad the situation seems, to get out. And so, folks, keep looking up. I know the stress levels are really intense right now. There is some spiritual battles going on because the enemy knows how to throw it at you at home. He knows how to throw it at you at a church. He knows how to throw it at you uh, at work and, and really get you just in a bind. But God is looking to give us peace, even in this times of tribulation. And I'll tell you, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the last three uh, episodes, well, it's actually four. There was a break on one of them, uh, Zachariah part one, two, and three, folks, please check it out because it's, it's important to hear, man. Brother Benjamin brings out some great points. Uh, and you know, sometimes folks, you might hear something and maybe you don't agree with it right away, but take time to actually look at it and study it out first, because you might just be surprised what the Lord may share with you. A lot of times we are stuck in the traditions of always understanding everything from how we were taught growing up. But if you actually read it in the word, it might you might find out that we have a lot to still learn. So I want to encourage you to check this out. Well, I'm not going to mess around anymore. I'm going to open up with prayer at this time. Father, in the name above every name, Yeshua. Thank you so much for the blessings that you give. And I just pray tonight, Lord, that this program would be done with power. That, that Lord, you would speak tonight through me. That you would get this message across to your people because this is an important hour that we are living in. So, Lord, anoint my lips to speak forth truth is my prayer in Yeshua's name. Amen. What is AI? I'm sure most of you might know. But AI or artificial intelligence makes it possible for machines to learn from from experience, adjust to new inputs, and perform human-like tasks. That is what artificial intelligence is in a nutshell. Folks, you've seen all the hype on artificial intelligence, and I'm not telling you, it's not hype just to mean hype is in, it's ridiculous. No, it is truth what's going on right now today. And artificial intelligence is literally taking over the world. It is ability, things are right now, the, the uh, internet's um, going on and ability to learn things that are, that are happening at such a rapid rate. It takes computers to be able to calculate the things that are going on right now. And computers have to program computers because we are living in a time where the human mind cannot bring about the complexities anymore that these monster mainframes and new ways of, of hooking things together, such as we're going to talk about a hive mindset and different things that are going on where we work kind of like the internet, like a bunch of worker ants or worker bees together to learn faster. Well, you've probably seen the robot Sophia, you know, the one that always jokes, I'm here to take over, destroy the world and ha ha ha. You know, folks, this is not a joke. What is going on is extremely, extremely dangerous right now. And if you've seen Sophia, when she talks to somebody, 
She can respond back on what they say, but she doesn't just respond based on what you say. She's actually reading your facial expressions in order to determine the appropriate response back to you. So she can see how you are reacting and then make a more accurate uh, response. And so what's happening is enhanced elect, uh, robotics that they're doing with their, their new Sophia robot and everything is they have them all their stuff hooked together in their cloud system. So let's say for for example, one robot where Sophia learns a task, learns something new, instantly it goes up into the cloud and now all their machines, all their robots know how to do that. Do you see how fast they can now learn? It's almost instantaneous and how the only the speed of data transmission, which we're going to see is speeding up rapidly, slows down the rate at which they can learn. They now using complex algorithms in order to assess information at such a high rate. Folks, it is unbelievable. You saw what uh, what Facebook just got busted on all the way they the algorithms they use to determine who you are, what you do and, and what what you are uh, interested in. And, you know, folks, you've seen it yourself when you go out on the Internet and you may do one search, no matter where you begin to go at from now on, you start to see ads that come up or articles and things that support what you are talking about folks they are building a profile of your surfing out there to determine who you are and many people and i'm telling you this folks i'm not an idiot on this okay i work in network engineering and run an it company i'm telling you what's going on here folks they understand right now and they're building a profile and you think many of you think oh, well i'm just surfing in private they don't know who i am folks they do know they track ip addresses they look for patterns and they know when you're switching after a period of time from computer to computer because you search in different types of ways that begin to build patterns that their algorithms pick up and they can determine you know what this person is here now over here because this person always does these same tasks or different things or searches this way and now they begin to understand what you look at what you believe and then you can begin to actually insert belief systems back into what you're doing so you, you think, folks, that they don't know what's going on? You better be really careful what you're looking at on the Internet right now. They are spying on you. And this new concept, this mind of God as Google wants to be, the Internet of all things, where it just becomes this giant human brain on how they can just have all this information ready at an, at an instance, and now they can begin to predict things that you will do based on the amounts of information and your patterns and habits of the way you act on the web. And we, when I talked about this hive mindset, see, they, they've done some studies and realized that when people work together in groups and more together, they can solve problems more accurately and they can solve them quicker than when they try to individually do everything at once. And so they're building the Internet and these robots and this artificial intelligence to work in the same way like bees and ants and things like that work so that they can solve complex uh, things, uh, not algorithms, but mathematical problems in an instant and begin to build stuff that can uh, begin to build a database of of whatever information that they are trying to put together and so someone could go into here and pluck out something about you and build your life out in a matter of no time in the manipulating of the thought patterns and what you're saying by articles popping up they can begin to control the things that you see and ultimately hope to change the way you think see the goal is to have everything in this world connected to the internet
You've seen about the new uh, 5G that's coming out. And for many of us in IT, we know about IPv6 when it came out some years ago. It's still slow to catching on. But they realized they're going to run out of IP addresses. So they had to go to IPv6 using more of a hexadecimal so that they could get almost, you know, not infinite, but uh, amount of addresses that were just go on for a, a bazillion absurd amount of addresses because of the combinations you can make with the hexadecimal um, um, putting together. And so they had to go to something because the goal is, is if everything can be hooked up to the internet, then everything can be monitored and controlled. You know, you saw it there and some people kind of think, well, that's crazy. Everything. Well, if you saw March Madness and I'm not a big basketball fan, but they were touting the shoes that they had, pizza I'd made, that you can order your own pizza from, you can pause your game and, and do all that, and you may say, well, that's a gimmick, but folks, it's not a gimmick, it is what they're looking to do, from your television to your, for your refrigerator, even smart appliances, everything so that you can be monitored, are you wasting energy, are you damaging the earth, what are you talking about to your friends, are you conservative? You know, I've never, I am not a political pundit on my radio program at all. Yes, I am a conservative person, but I'm tell you what, I don't buy into the Republican Party. I think they're all lying to me, okay? I'm, I'm definitely not a liberal, but I know right now the politics in the United States, I don't trust anything they said. But yet on my Facebook page, I was labeled an ultra conser- a very conservative person. And uh, so I went in there and said, I don't care about politics and unchecked that. But I never actually said that I I never talk about politics a whole lot in from a political sense. Only what I disagree with and when it comes to morality in this world. And so because of that, they determined who I was. And so this is what they're doing. They're labeling me before they even know it because they, they, they are trying to understand who is on their side and who isn't. And you see the new 5G that's coming out, right? You've seen it. And, and also it's uh, how it's supposed to be so much faster. And, and folks, they want to be able to deliver at least gigabit speeds wirelessly to your phones. So the faster they can move, the more data they can collect, the more that's going on. And in the next phase, and I'm folks, it's just right around the corner, is they're going to go to what's called a quantum level of Internet, where they've got satellites blanketing around the atmosphere, totally coding everything on this Earth in Internet, and they will transfer, actually, this are data on photons back and forth between satellites. Folks, they already have wireless out there that is so much faster than the Wi-Fi in your house. It's faster than any known wired connections, even fiber optics right now. It's called Li-Fi, and they've learned that the frequency on these uh these LED lights that they can run data down the frequencies uh, of these uh, lights faster than they can on cable. Look it up. It's L-I-F-I. Li-Fi. And folks, I'm just in a town not far from here. Not too long ago, I saw an ad for somebody to install Li-Fi. We are living in a different age right now. And when they get to the place where they have a quantum level of internet, where everything is completely covered in internet, at that point, they will be in complete control of everything that is going on. And with all this is creating a massive amount of disorders and addictions that result in dependency. Folks, that's what they want. They want you to be addicted to your Facebook. They want you to be addicted to the Internet. They want you to be addicted to your smartphone so they can keep bringing you back, so you can keep hitting those dopamine receptors and keep you attached to the system. Because when you release from the system, they lose control of who you are. And folks, we need to release from the system. I'm telling you, they're trying to manipulate the proper thinking patterns of a person today in the United States. And I'm going to give you a prime example.
Look at the new show, the Roseanne Barr show. Look at all the people. Oh, this is such a great show now for the Trump lovers out there. We've got the Roseanne show. This is amazing. It's so exciting because now Roseanne is a Trump supporter. I'm so happy. Unfortunately, she's not just a conservative so-called Trump supporter, but her grandson is a transgender cross-dresser. Her daughter is gay and and all you know her other sister-in-law is a, a feminist and everything it's our sister is a feminist and all these other things that are going on and what they're trying to do folks is make you believe that hey guess what this is the new normal for a believer for a conservative now the new normal is if you want to be a trump conservative now these are acceptable lifestyles and practices and they are putting it into our society and people are so excited and i'm trying to tell you that show is absolute deception it's absolute deception And you just need to get away because they're trying to change your morality and what you consider to be right and wrong. And when you've been bathed in these nonstop piles of information, hitting you with lies from the left and the right about what their new morality is, when a pure word ends up coming from the Lord, many times people that were once believers are now offended because someone would dare speak up in truth about what is going on in this world. And they get upset and understand because the truth of God's word is being hijacked by this addiction to the internet who has been controlled by a bunch of people who want to control your every thought and action in order to fit in to their utopian society that they don't actually will never, they don't actually really truly think they're, they might want to have it, but it's never going to happen. But what they do believe is that they will ultimately control control you and they can get rid of those people who don't fit their pattern of belief. But the amazing thing is God, it all lines up with what the word of God said. Look at second, second Thessalonians chapter two and verse 10. Look what it says here. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they may be saved. Interesting there how it starts out. Right. It says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Now, these are those that are perishing. Why are they perishing? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they may be saved. See, the reason these people are going to perish because they don't love truth anymore. You see, my question is to you, dear believer. Do you actually love truth See, I know many of us were brought up in a tradition and a church belief in some type of a system that we're believers, you know, growing up and, and we've been told and taught and this is how it is. And so we hold on to them because they become comfortable. But when some, a real word of truth comes along, are we willing to actually examine it, be a Berean can, and compare it to the word of God? Or are we going to hold on to it? Because that's the way we've always believed, even though our friends may have lovingly tried to share a different perspective, but no, we are bent. No, 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 I don't want to do this. And my question is, do you love the truth? And in verse 11, it says, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, God doesn't send the lie. Catch that. It says that he sends strong delusion that they would believe the lie. God's not deceiving them. He's actually giving them exactly what they want. It's not poor believer. Oh, God's sending them so they can believe a lie. No, he's giving them what they're asking for. They don't love the truth. He's given them what they want. In verse 12, it says that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
But then it says this, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Beloved, the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and the belief of truth, whereunto you are called, where he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the Lord. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold to the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or epistle. Folks, God did not design us to not love the truth. No, the exact opposite. Paul's saying here, listen, hold fast to what you know is right. These are scary times we are living in. It's a scary thought to think about that there are so many churches today that are supposed to be beacons of truth, shelters from the deception of this world, and they have begun to embrace many of the world's philosophies and how these things are supposed to be. And I've listened to so many people talk about the struggles that they're going through, but their pastors are scared to death to stand up and talk about the truth because they could lose their tithe dollars coming in, and the whole church is suffering and dying for it. Folks, it's about a remnant, not the mass majority. If you're offended, maybe they didn't belong there to begin with. And you might be thinking, well, thank goodness I'm I'm not in the church system, or thank goodness I go to a home fellowship, or, or maybe thank goodness I belong to this denomination that knows the truth. Or folks, there's all kinds of truth, or, or excuse me, denominations that are falling into this trap. I know my wife and I were in a church that was considered extremely a conservative church, uh, you know, some years ago. And, and I remember my wife and I were there visiting and we got there and, and they actually in the middle of the service had a video of a transgender man with lipstick on and long hair with a wig saying, well, God loves me just how I am in the middle. They showed this. They didn't come up and say, well, this is not right. Or this is, they showed that and then went on with it. Folks, my wife and I were so offended. You know what we were thinking? Thank goodness. Our children were not here. I hate to have to explain this to my youngest daughter why someone would do this. But there, you know what, folks? Even though all this is going on, AI, artificial intelligence, God, there is another type of intelligence, and I call it SI, or supernatural intelligence. Intelligence that is not only not from this world, it does not conform to this world's principles. You see, God knew that this stuff was going to happen thousands of years ago. And, and, and so I want to read a little more scripture here because 2 Corinthians talks about this, this battle for the mind that's going on. 2 Corinthians 10, verse, starting in verse 3, this is what it says. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Folks, this is one of the most amazing verses, truest verses you'll ever hear, yet we never, ever literally take it to heart. And let me ask you a question. How often do you try to battle in your flesh first, and then you go to the Lord in prayer after it doesn't work in the flesh? And, and how many times have you been in the worst situations and the Lord comes through by super and when you didn't think it was humanly possible and God ended up coming through folks, why do we always go about it the backwards way? I remember one day my friends and I we were over um, at our neighbor's house. He's old Merle. Merle passed away a few years ago and we were up there and putting in this radiator back into his home because he heated, used wood heat to heat the water and circulate it through. And we were fighting it forever and ever. And I remember finally I was like, man, why don't we pray about this? We could not get it to line up for nothing. It was almost, it was a losing battle. Finally, after desperation, we stop and pray. Try again. And boom, 
We got it. And we sat there and stopped and was like, what are we doing? Why are we fought this the wrong way for so long? And the Lord came through. It's just another way of God saying, why are you do this sometime? But then it continues on. Because I want to talk about this is such a battle for your mind. Listen to what it says in verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all obedience when your all disobedience, excuse me, when your obedience is fulfilled. So the Bible's saying, listen here. When it, this is truly a battle for your mind because see folks you are not even to let these thoughts begin to manifest up top and he's saying here listen take them into captivity this is an absolute battle for your mind what goes on between those two ears is very important and paul through the spirit of the living god is saying listen when you get something up there that is not from the lord when you get something up there that is not you got to take it into captivity you got to bring it. And I'm going to tell you, folks, right now, you're probably thinking, well, how do I take a thought into captivity? I'm going to tell you how to do it right now. Listen to me closely. This is the way you take them into captivity. When you begin to think of something that is unholy or unpure or not from God, the first thing you need to do is run to the Lord in your mind. What I do is I start to sing spiritual songs. I start, Jesus, Jesus, how I love him. Or I might sing Jesus loves me or something. It doesn't matter whatever it might be. Start to sing spiritual hymns. Pray to the Lord. God, please take this from me. I mean, I've even squinted my eyes before. And I run to God in my mind and I combat it with spiritual hymns. I combat it with spiritual songs like that. I'm telling you, folks, the devil can't hang around godly music. I've talked about that over and over in my programs. Godly music drives the devil out. It happened with King David. He drove it out of Saul. And you can take your thoughts into captivity if you will run to the Lord in your mind. Run to the Lord in your mind. Sing a song. Do something. Block it out. But you do it with by bringing those spiritual hymns in there. I'm telling you, you can bring those into captivity by God's grace. It's not that you're doing it in your own strength. No, you're doing it by him when you do this. See, this battle for your mind, it started back in the Garden of Eden. You remember Eve was there when, this, when Satan was in the art garden saying, Oh, you know, hath God really said did the Lord really say that? Oh, come on, Eve. You know that in the he knows the day you eat that you're going to be like God. He was planting doubt. It's always been a battle for the mind of good versus evil. And so he's saying here that even your very thoughts need to come under the captivity of the spirit of the living God. They need to be under the blood. You remember what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, right? Remember I talked about everything you think up there? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. The Bible says very specifically, listen, it, it matters what you think. Don't even let your, the sun go down when you're angry. You know what it is. You start to internalize it, and it gets into the brain and into your heart like that. And folks, let me tell you right now, the heart is actually a miniature brain. I'm telling you right now, they've proven this by heart transplants. They've actually given heart transplants to other people, and they will begin sometimes to pick up the characteristics and thoughts and things of the other people that they had the heart transplant from. It's actually a little miniature brain, the heart is. And so, you know, he's, they've done studies, too, that find that when you actually go to bed angry, it, it is bad 
health-wise for your body. And it says, then he says in verse 27, neither give place to the devil because you were giving the devil a place. And God's saying, don't even go to bed angry because what you go to sleep on in your mind, it's not good. It's not good. And the way we fight those things is we've got to take it to the Lord because there is truly a war for the mind. How do we do battle? I explained it to you there. We run the spiritual hands, but there's got to be a long-term plan. Folks, You never nobody goes into battle without a strategy, without counting the cost, without thinking what's going on. There needs to be a long-term strategy to your walk with the Lord, and I'm going to give it to you. Turn to Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter, so Jude 1, 1, okay? We don't, don't have to go too far. Jude says this, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So remember, Jude is actually talking to the church here. He's not; These are not to just any random people. He's not talking to, you know, just only the Jews or the non-believing Gentiles. He's talking to believing Jews and Gentiles, those who make up the body of Yeshua. He's saying those that are preserved, those that are called sanctified, that's who he's talking to. So this message from Jude, you need to remember this, is directly for the believer. He says, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Now listen closely what he says. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saint. So here, listen, listen, Jude writes, okay, in this epistle to the church, and he starts out with this primary focus. The one thing that Jude wants you to understand in this epistle that's so important is that you as a believer need to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Okay? He says you need to have that same kind of faith. It's not mythical. It's not something that cannot be attained. He's saying it actually can be attained. God, the Lord is not going to speak through his servant Jude and tell you through the spirit of the, of the Holy Ghost that you, that you need to um, strive for something that's not true, that's unobtainable. This is because you can have it. And so I looked up the word in the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary because I just wanted to know why did the King James translators choose the word strive? The reason is, is it means this in the English, the original in 1828 when they first did it. Uh, that, that dictionary will tell you what those words meant back in, in the 1600s when they, uh, when they did it. To strive to, to use earnest efforts to obtain or defend or preserve. So what Jude is saying, listen, you got to strive. You need to contend. You need to go after this thing we call faith that the saints once had because it's the kind of faith that you can have, but you got to fight for it. You got to want it. The Lord is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's not about working your way into the kingdom. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about earnestly contending, going after, striving for that faith, striving to know God for who he is and being willing to follow him no matter what he says. Why is Jude, though, so concerned with this? You've got to ask that question. Why is Jude so concerned that he starts off this epistle with absolutely slamming it down, saying, you must do this? The reason comes right after that. 
Verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, what he's saying is here, listen, folks, he's trying to tell the believers, he's saying, there are people, there are men who have come in, okay? And they've taken grace, this holy thing that God has given, grace, this thing that, that has come to, to, to have dominion, so that sin would no longer have dominion. Grace has come now. This, not, not this power to live, uh, whatever type of life, but the ability to live holy. And they've said now that this is actually licentiousness. And the word licentiousness means it's excessive indulgence of liberty, contempt, or the just restraints of the law, moral, morality, and decorum. What they're saying is, listen, these men are coming in, they're lying, and they're saying, you know what? God's grace, do whatever you want to do. Live how you want to live, because grace it will oh, cover everything. They were using it as a license to sin, and Jude's saying, if you got to stay away from this, and the way we combat this is by by contending for the faith that is once delivered to the saints. Because see, so many people have been in church for so long that they actually begin to believe that this kind of lifestyle, this kind of preaching is the normal way that we're supposed to be. But the fact is, says no, we are to live holy and righteous and just and humble before our God. Not using grace as a license to sin, but it's the power to live holy through a holy God. Well, Jude continues on in the book and he taught, reminds us how, remember how even the angels fell, right? And how Cain thought, remember, he could bring his own sacrifice in, right? Do you remember what happened to Cain? He thought he could do church his way. And then there was Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember the story of, of not only the home, open homosexuality, but the fallen sexual desires of this nation. And he reminds how, folks, don't forget how these people fell. They, You cannot do it. This is not an acceptable lifestyle to think that it's okay lasciviousness or licentiousness brings in ungodly believers and when a person begins to allow themselves into a world of sin and compromise the results can and often are deadly and I feel, folks, that we are a point in history that we must make up our minds who are we going to serve we're at a tipping point in humanity where the very foundations of truth is being so eroded away that recent studies now are saying that people are more likely to believe in extraterrestrials than Jesus Christ. Is that a shame or what? So many of us sit here and we see what is going on and yet we do absolutely nothing about it. We think, well, we're awake, we're informed, we know what's going on in the world. But how many of you have actually reached out and tried to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody? No, instead, instead many people, they go to church and they get upset with who's preaching or, or somebody's not dressed right or the carpet's not right. Or, and we get worried about piddly things while people are dying and they're missing out on the kingdom. And we're being taught that we don't have to obey the commandments of God anymore because we can do whatever we want because licentiousness, grace is to come in. Live how you want. That's, folks, you don't have to do that. It was in the old days. Now we live under the new covenant. Live however you want. Folks, you don't understand the covenants if that's what you believe. The world is going to hell and our family members are unsaved. And I ask, what are you doing about it? 
Or are you still complaining about what happened to you in church 10 years ago or how somebody offended you X amount of time ago and now you're upset at God or you're upset you're not doing this because somebody did pull up your pants. It's time to wake up. Get Folks, God is not calling for sissies and panty waist who are going to sit around and complain about the past for the rest of their lives. Your pity party is over. It's time to man up. It's time to woman up and get serious about the things of God. I'm so tired of hearing about what people aren't doing or what this isn't doing or that isn't doing when you haven't even reached out to one lost soul. You haven't even shared the good news with anybody. And yet you complain and we do nothing so often and people are dying. When are we going to stop the complaining and start getting about the father's business? God is not coming for these unrighteous people who are living this life of sin and all these things that maybe they're justifiably doing wrong. Stop wasting your time on them. Start finding out people who want to hear about Jesus. And if they don't want to hear about it, then go on. Maybe you planted a seed. Someone else will come along and give watering to. And so the Lord will eventually give the increase. This earth is not getting better. Artificial intelligence is extremely scary, but God is able to sustain us from this deception. But he wants us to reach out to the lost. Folks, we don't combat the evil of this world by being hermits and never sharing the truth of Jesus Christ again. We combat the evil of this world by sharing the only one that can save them from the evil of this world. It's time to forgive our brothers and sisters and stop living in the past and get into the battle because there's a war going on for the souls of men and women and God needs warriors and not sissies. The difference between God's warriors, though, and the warriors we see in our militaries is the warriors of God weep for the lost and they care for the broken. And they run into the battle with no regard for their own lives, knowing that saving one more soul is more precious than huge churches who don't give two hoots about the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus anymore. Folks, we are in an absolute war. And God needs warriors. We need to start reaching out to the lost. I want to share a story with you as I begin to close this message. Because I don't, I want you to know how much God cares about us and how much he desires that we do something different and how dangerous this world is. And we got to get about saving souls and get out of this grip that the earth has of this world has upon us. I want to share a story with you. It was after church one Sunday evening, there was a church and they had sung their normal hymns. And they're about to close it out. And before the pastor gave his his little sermon, he announced that he, there was a special guest there. It was a guest minister who was in the service that evening. And in the introduction, the pastor told the congregation that this guest minister was one of his dearest childhood friends and that he wanted him to have just a few moments to to greet the church and to share whatever he felt would be appropriate for the service. With that, the elderly gentleman stepped up to the pulpit and he began to speak. This is what he said. A father and his son and a friend of his son were sailing off the Pacific coast when a fast storm blocked any attempt to get back to the shore. 
The waves were so high, even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright, and the three were swept into the ocean as the boat capsized. The old man hesitated for a moment, making contact with these two teenagers that were on the first row. Looking somewhat interested in his story, he continued on. He said, grabbing a rescue line, the father had to make the most excruciating decision of his life. To which boy would he throw the, the end of the lifeline to? He had only seconds to make the decision. The father knew that his son was a Christian, and he knew that his son's friend was not. The agony of the decision could not be matched by the torrent of waves that were crashing against the boat. As the father yelled out in a second, I love you, son. He threw the lifeline to his son's friend. By the time the father had pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, his son had disappeared beneath the raging waves into the black night. His body was never recovered, the old man said sadly. By this time, the two teenagers that were listening were sitting straight up in the very front of the pews, anxiously waiting for the next words to come out of the old minister's mouth. The father, he continued, knew his son would step into an eternity with Jesus and could not bear the thought of his son's friend stepping into an eternity without him. Therefore, he sacrificed his son, the son's friend. How great of the, is love, God, that he should do the same for us. Our heavenly father sacrificed his only begotten son so that we could be saved. I urge you to accept his offer to rescue you and take hold of his lifeline. He is throwing out at this service. With that, the old man turned and he sat back down in his chair of silence, filled the room. The pastor walked slowly up to the pulpit and delivered a brief sermon. However, at the end, everyone remained silent. But within moments after the service ended, the two boys came up to the man's side, the old man's side. That was a nice story, they politely said, one of the boys. But I don't think it was very realistic for a father to give up his only son's life in hopes that the other would become a Christian. Well, the old man said, you, you got a point there, glancing down at his old worn Bible. As a big smile began to come over his face, he looked up at the boys and said, I sure isn't very realistic, is it? But I'm here to tell you this story gives me a glimpse of what it must have like, been like for our God to give up his only son for me. You see, I was that father, and your pastor is my son's best friend. Folks, God sacrificed his own son, just like that father did right there when he had threw a lifeline to the unbelieving child on that boat to save him so he'd have a chance for the heaven. Folks, the Lord, he gave his only son because he wanted you to be with him. And all this stuff's going on in this world and all these distractions, this artificial intelligence, here God as this lifeline reached out, staring out, he's asking, take hold of it. But don't just only take hold of it, grab somebody else and bring them with you. Bring them with you. Folks, I want to encourage you today to take risk. Take a chance. Share the gospel. Folks, I'm telling you, there's nothing sweeter in this world than the day that you see someone go into the waters of baptism because you shared the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Folks, there's nothing like seeing that person who knew nothing about God 
to see them give their lives to the Lord. My good friend Robbie, his mother had passed away about two years ago or so. And he asked if I'd do mom's funeral. I had done a lot of Bible studies with her and had the privilege to to be able to have see her give her life to the Lord and and go down in that waters of baptism. And Robbie so loved his mom. It was he loved her so much. His dad was abusive and family was just there crazy. A lot of country people out here where I'm from, there's some crazy people. And his family had a real reputation for being really wild. And and he just loved his mom so much. And at the funeral, all they wanted to do was stand up there. And they held the two brothers, Robbie and his brother. We all had our arms around each other. And all they wanted to talk about was how their mom had given her life to Jesus. Because that was all that mattered. Folks, all that matters at the end of this world is where is your eternity at? Where do you want your family's eternity to be at? See, we look at these things through these carnal minds, these carnal ways, and we think because we reached out once and they didn't respond that there's no hope. And God's saying that's not the way we do our warfare. We take it to the knees and we battle them in the prayer closet and watch the Lord do his work. God is wanting to save souls. That is a battle for the mind and artificial intelligence is killing this world. But you can detach today and you can start sharing the good news of our Lord and Savior because time is running out. And my question is, what are you going to do? With this man called Jesus. What are you going to do. With the one who they call the son of God. Are you going to sit on that good gift forever. Or are you going to reach out. And share it with somebody. Put the stuff down. Put your technology down. I don't care what your absolute. Um hang up is or what your addiction is or whatever it might be turn to isaiah 58 read it from beginning to end the whole chapter isaiah 58 follow the whole thing from the beginning to end do what the lord says humble yourself fast pray seek his face and he says I, he will break every yoke and it's not because you're doing the proper works or following the exact pattern it's because when we humble ourselves and seek him with all of our heart He is in the business of breaking bonds. I don't care how bad your sin is. God has the ability to overcome. What are you going to do about it tonight? This is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call saying, Good night and shalom. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sounding on the mountains. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. The day of the Lord is come. The
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.